You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Empire. Triple play fantasies basketball show with Doc, Coach, and Brass Dadamas starts now. Welcome everyone to the Triple Play Fantasy Basketball Show, a proud member of the Empire Media Podcast Network and Empire Media. Your host, Doc, here. I don't have any of my normal guys with me. No Coach, no Brass Dadamas, no Kevin Coleman, not even David making a guest appearance. But it's all right because we got a special guest that's going to replace all of them and more. Because we welcome in a man with an impressive beard. But that's not the only thing impressive on his rem- resume. He's a contributor for Owner's Box, Fantasy Labs, NBA Fantasy, and Fantasy Pros. An FSWA member, this man is a father to not one, not two, not three, but four kids. A West Virginia alumni. He's probably chilling in his Bob Huggins attire right now. That just means sweats on a Saturday night. Achoo! Bless you! I didn't actually sneeze, but we welcome in Zach Hanshew. What's going on, man? What's going on, brother? I appreciate the uh, the warm introduction, man. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see you. I am currently chilling in my Bob Huggins attire. So, uh, yeah, doing good, man. There's no other way to be on a Saturday night, but Zach, appreciate you coming on. And, you know, before we dive into today's topic of kind of a fantasy preview, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in this industry, you know, your favorite NBA team, what you really like about this industry itself. Yeah, man. So um, I started writing fantasy content uh, about three and a half years ago. Uh, I did some, uh, did my own site with a couple of buddies. We were in a fantasy football league together and uh, we mostly, you know, posted some articles and podcasts about just kind of talking shit about league members, and, <laughs> uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And then it kind of evolved into writing some serious content. Uh, fantasy pros took a chance on me for, uh, you know, once a week articles and that kind of evolved into, um, you know, writing more with them. Uh, and eventually getting into the fantasy hoop space. Um, and then, as you mentioned, I think Zach cut out. He was talking about fantasy hoops. Let's see if uh, if we can get him back on here. Zach, can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear you, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you cut out. You said you were getting into the fantasy hoop space. Yeah. So, um, so after that, I started getting into the fantasy hoop space from, you know, from fantasy football. Um, and then as you mentioned this year, I started getting involved more with, um, NBA.com have some bylines on there through fantasy pros. Uh, I'll be doing some content for owner's box and fantasy labs, which I'm really excited about. Um, so yeah, and I, I've actually come to really enjoy, uh, you know, fantasy hoops content a, a little bit more than fantasy football content. I know that might sound a little sacrilegious, but, um, that's kind of where my head's at right now, man. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here talking some hoops tonight. 
Zach, I want to ask you because, you know, as someone that does triple play fantasy, I do all three fantasy sports. And obviously fantasy football is the number one in terms of, you know, I think the popularity and the, you know, the, the presence that it has. And I didn't realize until I got in this industry how much of a niche fantasy baseball has as well. Fantasy basketball is kind of an afterthought, and I'm with you. I love fantasy basketball. I think it helps me follow the game much closer. What do you think needs to be done to market fantasy basketball more appealing? I've thought about that a lot, man, because it definitely is kind of the afterthought. I mean, because baseball just has the, you know, the guys with the real knack for analytics and football is just, I mean, that's driven towards the mainstream consumer. Uh, For fantasy hoops, man, what kind of drives my interest towards it is, uh, you know, one, you have so many games, so you can be tweaking your lineups every day. Um, There's different aspects to it as far as playing for points or playing for categories and kind of the strategy nuances that go into that. And then just the star player ability that you have in fantasy basketball or just in the NBA in general. I mean, you got one guy like a LeBron James and, you know, with Cleveland that can carry a team in 07 that had no business being in the finals to the finals. Uh, But in football, you're not going to necessarily you're never going to have just one guy that's going to carry a terrible roster to the Super Bowl. So I think the star power kind of I think that should be marketed a little bit more and just the different strategy elements that go into it. So those are what drive me. And and hopefully that's something that can be marketed and kind of drive other people's interest as well. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think football is the easiest to follow because you said, you know, in a standard league, you know, one quarterback, you have nine slots. And it's like, okay, you lock it in Thursday, you lock it in Sunday, and it's easy to follow. You have waivers once a week. And baseball is really kind of your hardcore player. You're not a passive fantasy baseball player with 162. And basketball is kind of in that middle ground. And I I agree. It's like there's so many different ways. You could do categories. You could do points. You could do roto. Um, And I I just think it's such a fun game that – and the NBA itself is very popular, so it's just a little mind-boggling why – Fantasy hasn't taken off, but maybe after people listen to this pod, we'll see a little bit of a spike in the industry because we're talking a little fantasy forward preview because believe it or not, the season's within a week or so, and we got to give you some fantasy analysis. So we're going to have four categories today. We're going to talk about a forward that you would be willing to pay more for or that you would draft at a higher ADP, somebody that you think is going to be a bust, that's a high pick a sleeper, somebody that you would take with a lower ADP, much higher, and then a rookie that can make an impact. But before we start, I have to do a little bit of a plug. Make sure you follow us on the socials at Trip Play Fantasy, our YouTube channel as well. We're putting out a lot of content on there. So please give us a follow if you haven't already. If you're listening to the podcast version, we got to pay the bills. But if you're watching the video, we're going to dive in right now. So Zach, first category, you know, I think at the top, you're going to have your Luka Doncic. You're going to have your Giannis's that contribute in multiple categories. Who is somebody that's a forward that you're willing to pay more for? They could be the top 10, top 20 that you want to get with your first round pick, assuming it's not with one of those guys. Yeah. So uh, I actually really like drafting at, uh, at the back of the first round. So if I get that one, two turn, I really think there's a ton of value. Uh, And one of the guys that I really love this year is Paul George. I know he has shooting guard and small forward eligibility. 
But this dude has top five overall potential this season with Kawhi Leonard. I don't think Kawhi plays this year. At the very least, he's not coming back until, you know, all-star break or later. And I really think PG has everything that you're looking for in a first-round pick. He checks all the boxes. Um, you know, he gives you those threes. He gives you points. Uh, you know, he gives you shooting. He's going to be asked to run the offense a little bit more with some assists. He rebounds well. He's great on defense. So I, I really think he's a guy that the only place he's going to hurt you is turnovers, and we're fine with that because he's going to be a high-usage guy, and all those type of high-usage guys are going to turn the ball over a little bit more. So Paul George is somebody that I'm totally willing to spend up a little bit more for, and he's a guy I'd be comfortable taking at the end of the first round or even you know a few picks up from that. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is right before we hopped on, I did a NBA season's over-under, and the Clippers is 45 and a half, and I think that's an easy under because for the men, for the reasons you mentioned, I don't think Kawhi Leonard plays this year, especially if they're out of contention. Why rush him back? Because him and Paul George are locked in until at least the 23-24 season, 24-25 if they pick up their player option, but it's 46 and 48 million, so I would see why they wouldn't. Um and I agree with what you're saying. His usage rate is going to be insane. I look at the rest of that team, you know, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, Eric Bledsoe, Serge Ibaka. I mean, those are great role players, but the offense needs to run through him. And, you know, like you said, he's going to contribute in a lot of categories. We, you know, we kind of joked about the, the pandemic P or the playoff P. He looked really good against the Suns. And if it wouldn't for that DeAndre Ayton game winner, I mean, that was it, that game three, like he took over in the fourth quarter. Um, and with a ADP of 18 on ESPN, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's a great pick. Um, for me, a guy I really like is Bam Adebayo. Uh, he's 12 on ESPN. He's 19 on Yahoo. He's increased his scoring each year from seven to nine to 16 to 18.7, his most recent one. Uh, he averaged a career high 5.4 assists per game last year. Uh, close to 10 rebounds as well, 1.2 steals, one blocks. He actually shot a career high 80% from the free throw line. And you add in Kyle Lowry, you add in uh, Markeith Morris, you have Victor Oladipo now, you have Jimmy Butler. I think, you know, my I primarily play categories leagues because I think it values players more evenly. You know, someone like Mitchell Robinson has value. And Bam just contributes in all categories. He can shoot the three. You know, as mentioned, he scores, he can pass. And I think Miami had kind of a fatigue year in 2020. And what I mean by that, you know, there was a 73-day layoff from the last day of the finals to the beginning of the NBA season, which is the shortest we've ever seen. So on the back-to-backs, you know, they might be sitting out or they might not have fresh legs. You know, Pat Riley told them after the season, hey, take a little bit of a time off, um, you know, get some mental break. And, you know, I think Miami is going to come back and they're going to look really good. And I think Bam is going to be the leader on that team. Yeah, I think so, man. And as you mentioned, the addition of Kyle Lowry, I mean, I think that's going to ding, you know, Jimmy Bucket's value just a little bit, but it's probably not going to take away from Adebayo. I think he's the guy. And even if we see Tyler Hero kind of emerge, I know a lot of people are predicting a bounce back for him this year. I think Adebayo's the safest guy on Miami. I'd be totally fine if he was selected before Jimmy Buckets. Honestly, if he was the first Heat player off the board this year, I think probably he will be in a lot of leagues. Uh, but as you mentioned, man, he contributes just about everywhere. And those passing big men are kind of – they're like a fantasy cheat code, man. I mean, yeah, they are. 
yeah, you got your Jokic's, your Sabonis's, your Adebayo's, and the dude gives you the defensive production, the high field goal percentage, and he shoots really well from the free throw line for a big man. And as you mentioned, 80% last year, and that's something that's really, really valuable. So, yeah, I love that pick. Yeah, and, and just great coaching, great team. You know, I think at this point, Jimmy Butler is a better real-life basketball player than fantasy. And, th- and that's not to say that's a, that's a knock on him. I think there are some people that, you know, that's just kind of where they're at in their career. But we're going to get a little negative now. And, Zach, give me someone that you think's a bust for their ADP or somebody you'll be avoiding. So, dude, I know we're looking at ESPN uh, rankings right now, and I, I think they're a little bit ludicrous, to be honest with you. Uh, they are. About this. Yeah, <laughs> they I've, are. I've talked about this on other shows. I, I'm not sure what they're thinking. But Julius Randle, man, is – I believe he's ranked 14th on these rankings right now. Yeah, power forward three. Yeah, dude, that is just insane to me. So I, I don't see how he could possibly return value. I don't see how he could return value on Yahoo, where I think he's ranked in the mid-20s. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but um, I, I don't think he can even return value there, let alone 10 spots higher. Uh, he's a dude that, you know, he led the league in minutes played last season, and you could totally tell just how fatigued he was in the playoffs. His efficiency oh gosh, dropped yeah. off a cliff, dude. Um, you know, his, his counting stats were still outrageous. I think double, double almost every night in the playoffs, but that's because he had to do that kind of stuff. His efficiency went in the toilet and you could just tell he was gassed, dude. And they paid him so much money for this extension in the off season. And I really think New York is going to be conscious to limit, you know, the amount that he's putting this team on his back. They brought in Yvonne Fournier, they brought in Kemba Walker, you're hoping Mitchell Robinson is going to be a little healthier this year. That remains to be seen with the foot injury, but you're really hoping to limit. I, I really doubt he plays. He leads the league in minutes this year. So I cannot imagine that he leads the team in points, assists, rebounds uh, for another straight season. That, that would just be outrageous. Yeah. So he's 14 on ESPN and 29 on Yahoo. And I think it's interesting what you're saying of like, he might've like, that might be his best fantasy season because of, just how much he played. You're right. He led the league in minutes at 37.6. He was a sleeper last year. I mean, 24 points, 10.2 rebounds, six assists, about a steal a game. Uh, the turnovers, three and a half. He's definitely have to cut down on that. Um, the lowest field goal percentage in the last five years. I I, I definitely agree with you. I'm, I'm a Julius Randle fan. I don't know if ESPN rankings, if I could take him with my first pick. I, I'd feel much better at 29 or in the 20s. Where would you feel comfortable taking him? Uh, I would be comfortable taking him probably late third round, and and I'm a little bit lower in like on, a twelve team league. Yeah, I I think I'm. I mean, because we can argue that you know if his workload gets reduced, maybe his efficiency will come back up, and so those valuable percentages, you know, in categories leagues are going to be, you know, they're going to come up, and maybe some of that high usage is going to cut the turnovers down. So maybe that floor is a little bit safer than what I'm interpreting. But for me, he's more of a, a late third round guy in a twelve team league. Okay, yeah, and the interesting thing, you know, if you're playing under Tom Thibodeau. He's going to grind you like he's he statistically will play his players, which might lead to injury at some point. So that's also something to keep in mind for me. And and we're speaking about injury. It's Zion Williamson, who's 30th overall on ESPN, 29 on Yahoo. I mean, he's a great talent. Like, don't get me wrong, but he suffered a broken right foot in the summer. That's just another injury he's had at 22 years old. They said he's optimistic that he's going to be uh, ready for the opener, but he's not playing in preseason. So 
he's not going to have the conditioning. They might ease him in with the, you know, with a minutes restriction, you know, his rookie season. And it's funny. I actually thought that this was his second year. um, But now I realize it's his third, but he played 24 games his rookie season. He averaged 28 minutes per game. He played 61 games his second year, averaged 33 minutes per game. I can't see him playing more than that. I mean, keep in mind, he is the future of the Pelicans. And look, he's a great score. He averaged 27 last season. But, and he's going to get you rebounds as well. But he averaged, you know, maybe a steal, a little less than a block per game, shoots bad free throw percentage. And he's someone, because I think of the name himself, Zion, that is going to go higher. Like if you just took his numbers, I think he'd be in that, Julius Randle range, we said we feel comfortable with, you know, late third, but because it's always like, oh, it's Zion, and he will have those explosive, you know, games or those explosive highlights that, you know, everybody's raising his ADP, but somebody that's already heard prior to the season, I just can't spend a, a second, third round pick on. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement there, man. I had him as a uh, kind of early third round guy before, like in the 27, 28 range. And he's kind of in that back end of the third round for me now as well, just because, you know, when those late injuries, pro- you know, crop up and we haven't heard about him up until it was recently announced, I think that's going to be a big issue. Um, and, and I definitely think that if he ends up having to miss some time that, you know, the Steven Adams for Jonas Valanciunas swap is going to be one that's beneficial to them if Zion has to miss some time because JV was, he's balled out for the last couple of seasons. Can I just say, I didn't understand that trade at all. From, from the Pelicans perspective, like it seems like they gave up a lot to get Valanciunas and it didn't seem like he was the missing piece. Like they didn't make the playoffs last year and to give up Adams and Bledsoe, I just didn't like I, for me, they traded depth for somebody that had a career year. I just, I didn't think it, it was that good of a fix or that good a trade. I guess we'll have to see. What were your thoughts on it? I actually feel just the opposite, man. Um, oh, good. Always, we finally, we disagree on something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, I think the big uh, move for New Orleans was clearing some salary uh, because both Adams and, and Bledsoe were a bit expensive for what they were giving you because neither of them played particularly well last year. Um, and JV, obviously, uh, you know, he did have a career year, but I, I don't think that that's all he's going to give you. I think he can still be really, really good moving forward. Uh, So I think the salary dump was a great move. You brought in a better center. And the part that I really loved was they swapped first round picks. So uh, Memphis ends up with Zaire Williams and uh, New Orleans ends up with Trey Murphy. And Trey Murphy looks like a guy who's ready to contribute right out of the gate. And he may even have a starting spot for this team, depending on how the backcourt shakes out. So, I thought you move back and you got potentially the better draft pick, the better long-term prospect, and you got the better center, and you unloaded some salary. So I loved it for New Orleans. You just got to hope that New Orleans does well because they did include another future first in that. So right. if, if if they're not doing well, and, and you know, I think the pick is uh, somewhat protected, um, you know, hopefully you're just given a pick in the 20s at that point. Right. We're going to go to a sleeper. And this is somebody that is, you know, not your bona fide star, but somebody a little bit more down the rankings at an auction that, you know, you're willing to pay more money for that you're going to pick earlier in their ADP. So, Zach, who's somebody that you're really bullish on this year? Maybe somebody that you're saying is your guy. So 
a guy that I am absolutely in love with this year. Uh, he has power forward and center eligibility, and I don't see him on the top 200 for ESPN. I don't think they've uh, they've adjusted, but Nerlens Noel. Uh, this is a guy that I'm trying to get 100% exposure to in my leagues this year. He was 77 last year. This this is a, not a sexy guy at all for fantasy managers. And if you play in points leagues, he's off your radar. But if you're playing in categories leagues, this is your dude. 77 last year. Um, let me give you the list of names last year of guys who had at least 70 steals and 70 blocks. Giannis, Matisse Teibel, P.J. Washington, Robert Covington, and Noel. And only one of those guys shot better than 60% from the floor, and that was Noel. So he gave you 3.3 combined blocks per steals last year. That was second, uh, only behind Miles Turner. That was tied for Rudy Gobert for most combined block steals. And he was second in total production in that category as well. So this is a guy that, you know, we talked about Mitchell Robinson earlier in the show. He's still dealing with a lingering foot injury. We're not sure what his availability is going to be. He missed a lot of time last year. Uh, if he's not able to stay on the court, I really, really think Noel has a lot of appeal. And even if even if Blockinson's on the court, Noel is still a guy that's going to come off the bench, give you that high energy, high field goal percentage, rebounds, elite defensive numbers, low turnovers. Those are the big man stats that we're looking for. And if you're playing an ESPN and going off of rankings and ADP, he's not even on your radar, man. So this is a dude that he blows away value in ESPN. Uh, it's a guy that I would just be – you know, tickled to death to have on my team. No, I'm with you. I, I picked him up. Uh, I had Mitchell Robinson. And it, it's weird. We we use this term in football a lot, but he's kind of Mitchell Robinson's handcuff. Like mm -hmm. the set, the center position in New York is the defensive anchor. New York allowed 104, uh, or I think it was 103 points per game last season, which was the least amount in the NBA. So the Thibodeau style is to really grind out games. And I really like what you're saying there with Noel. Um, and, and it's funny because he's sporadic with his – and maybe you've seen it like watching he'll have six blocks in a game and then have one the next game. But I think that's, you know, I think his, his name is thrown around kind of in a bad sense because he was a high pick. He didn't play his first year because of a knee injury. He's on the 76ers as they're going through the trust, the process and tanking. He goes to Dallas. He goes to OKC as they're rebuilding. So he's kind of a forgotten man. And last year he played 24.2 minutes, which was actually the most he's played since his second year and he's only 27 years old. So a lot of upside there. You're right. Provides value in a lot of categories. I think you can get scoring off the bench. You know, somebody gets hurt. You can find replacements. It's not as easy to find replacements and blocks and steals. So I'm a hundred percent with you on that. For me, you know, it's funny. This has been my guy for a while. I actually made a YouTube video about why I think he's going to have a breakout year and why he was worth his contract. And that's Jared Allen, um, who is 64 on ESPN, 60 on Yahoo. I'm going to read his 2020 per per 36 minute stats. 12.2 rebounds per game, which was 12th in the NBA. 1.7 blocks per game, which was 10th in the NBA. Now he had a concussion, which he admitted really kind of messed him up for a good later portion of the season. Pre-concussion, 15 points per game, 11.2 rebounds, and 1.7 blocks. Now, he has areas where he needs to improve. He took 60 shots that were further from 10 feet from the rim last year. So he needs to expand his range a little bit. 
but he was six of 19 from three. So maybe that's something they work with him in the offseason. I mean, look, 19 shot attempts for a center is actually a lot. Like, I don't think the Rudy Gobert's or, you know, the Nerlens Noel's or the Mitchell Robinson's are going to take 19. So if he can feel a little bit more comfortable, he can provide a little value in that category. Um, he's going to need to improve his free throws as well, but he just got paid a hundred million dollars. I think he finally has a starting role with a team, you know, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. I see them running a lot of high screen and roll with him. So I think he can provide value in a lot of categories. He's 24 years old and I think he's in poise for a career year. Zach, what do you think? Um, I don't like Jared Allen at all this year, man. I, like Jared Allen. I, I, I really, I, I don't like him at all, man. He's a guy that, uh, <laughs> I, I would I would much rather get Evan Mobley, uh, if, you know, three or four rounds later. Um, I I'm out on Larry Markinen until we see anything to prove otherwise. But it, you know, Jared Allen, as you mentioned, man, he had a fantastic season last year. Got that hundred million dollar deal, uh, double double. Uh, you you know, over a block a game, extremely high field goal percentage. But he's a guy that he has no three-point game. And as you mentioned, maybe maybe there's a chance of some outside shooting. Maybe they work on it. Um, he has a, His turnovers are a little bit high for me for a big man, especially a guy that's mostly just shooting in the paint. Uh, so that's a little bit of a concern to me. But, you know, his two biggest values, I mean, outside of the field goal percentage, I think that's kind of locked in. I mean, you're not going to lose your efficiency there. But the rebounds and the blocks, two of his biggest positive categories you got a guy in Evan Mobley who's going to come in and eat some of that production Mobley is an elite shot blocker we've seen a little bit of that in the preseason already uh you know from going back to USC as well but USC preseason he's been great in you know in that regard uh rebounding he's going to be great and uh you know Mobley has a little bit more of an offensive game than Jared Allen he can put the ball on the deck he can shoot a little bit more from outside uh, not a polished three-pointer by you know by any means, uh, and then you got Lowry Markinen, who I'm out on and not a great defender, but can at least stretch the floor by shooting threes. He's a great three-point shooter throughout his career. So Jared Allen is a guy that I think has big bust potential written all over him, and he's a guy that I'm staying away from at that ADP man. So is it more that he doesn't provide what you're looking for at someone in the? You know, uh, so we'll just say in the 60s, you know, the late fifth, early sixth, um, or is it because of the playing time or, or kind of a combination of both? I don't I don't necessarily know that the the playing time will take a huge dip, but I definitely think it'll take a little bit of a slide. I, I'm just really curious to see what that front court rotation looks like, because it, it, for me, it's a bit of uncertainty. Uh, I'd love to see what his block numbers are. I'd love to see what his rebounding numbers are with Evan Mobley in the mix. Are they going to play both of those guys at the same time? Probably. I was just going to ask. I, I was just going to ask because I can't imagine they play Kevin Love and they moved on from Larry Nance, who was right. kind of that tweener. Like I, I think right. the, the Cavs are very – guard oriented and they're very center oriented and they, they don't have like many small forwards. So I could see them rolling like a two guard set you know, with uh, Garland and Sexton and then kind of like that two center set. I just look at Jared Allen. I don't think he's ever been given a full opportunity. Like he started on the Brooklyn teams when they were awful prior to the superstar acquisitions they have. And he was the main piece that Cleveland gave up in the uh, James Harden trade it because it was a, it was a three team. So I just don't think that because they they got Torian Prince also who's now on the Wolves. So I just can't imagine that they're trading for him. They sign him to this extension, 
You know, last year he played 30.3 minutes with the Cavs, which is actually the most he's ever played. So I'm thinking if he gets maybe 32, 33 a year or 32, 33 this season, that he's going to see maybe, you know, 11 points, 10 rebounds, a block and a half shooting 60% with some upside. But I see your point with the bust potential that Evan Mobley pick kind of makes me feel a little bit uneasy. But. Yeah, so yeah, it's the uncertainty for me, and and plus you mentioned the you know the shot attempts from a guy like Jared Allen. Uh, I think a guy like Isaac Okoro kind of came on at the end of the year as far as uh, contributing on offense. So maybe he takes the next step forward this season, and maybe he cuts into some of that uh, you know those shot attempts as well. I'm not sure. Yeah, and I what I think is going to be interesting too is Colin Sexton hasn't been signed to an extension. We've heard you know rumors of that the team thinks that he's very ball dominant that. He just cares about his stats. Um, it'll be a, it'll be interesting to see if he's going to be a name that's on the block because if he's gone, that frees up a lot more shot attempts for everyone. So him leaving might be best for the fantasy value of everyone else on the Cavs. The last category we got here, Zach, a rookie that you think might make an impact. So, you know, obviously this is the forward show, but the Jalen Grease and Kate Cunningham's the first and second pick, they're going to make impact. And Evan Mobley probably will as well. Is there a guy that maybe is a little bit later or somebody that you really believe in that's going to make an impact their first season? Yeah, so a guy that I've really started to come around on recently, uh, and not just from preseason. I mean, he's looked excellent in preseason, but uh, just from looking a little bit more into the situation is Scotty Barnes over in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, and I think his name, I think he's maybe – coming out of that sleeper mode because a lot of people are starting to pay more attention to him. But I think right now, if you're drafting today, I think he's probably still going to be a little undervalued and you can get him at a discount. Um, you know, he's, a he's guy starting, that, right? He's starting right with Siakam out. He should be, um, especially with, cause Chris Boucher is expected to miss a little time with that finger injury to start the season. So you would expect uh, that starting lineup to be what Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, OG, uh, Ken Birch, and then probably Scotty Barnes uh, slots in there at power forward. And and he's a dude that he's not going to give you a lot of points, uh, but he is, and this is this is what his bag was at FSU, right? He's a, he's a great playmaker. Uh, he hustles on defense, elite defender. Uh, you know, he can create plays for others. He grabs rebounds. Uh, so this is a guy that I, I really think can give you a lot of production in categories leagues, especially for those valuable defensive contributions. Um, and it looks like, I mean, at least through two uh, preseason games, his free throw percentage is a little bit better. He's, he, you know, great free uh, field goal percentage, but not really a three point guy, which is fine. Um, and needs to work a little bit on the turnovers, but you know, a lot of that stuff is, I mean, that's kind of rookie stuff, just cleaning up some of those mistakes. So I really think he's a guy that can contribute right away and he's going to have the opportunity to do so with the injuries that I mentioned. And I don't think he fades out of the rotation, even when Siakam and Boucher get healthy. No, I'm with you. And it's funny because when he first got drafted, I think everybody thought Jalen Suggs was going for, and the first thing everybody said is, this is the Patrick Williams where he's overdrafted Ford out of Florida state. And I don't think people really kind of looked at his game and very high motor guy. I think he's playing under a great coach with Nick nurse. I think the Raptors are going to have a new identity. Kyle Lowry's gone. Siakam is starting the year with a torn labrum there. He's supposed to be back mid November, but 
obviously a, a pretty serious injury that he completely tore it. You don't know how effective he's going to be right away. And I think with rookies, it, there's unprovenness. And yes, the Jalen Greeds and the Cade Cunningham, so those are going to be drafted high. They're probably going to have high usage their rookie year. But this is the guy, you're right. He's flown under the radar. He's going to get the playing time. He has the things that you can't really measure, the hustle, the heart, the things that coach like that are, are going to give them more minutes. Um, for me, I really like Franz Wagner, and he's 173 on ESPN. He's outside the top 250 on Yahoo, so somebody you can get at a real discount. I look at the depth chart for the forward position for the Magic. First of all, they have the lowest over-under win total of 22 and a half. So you know that they're probably going to be playing a, a lot of young people. But they have Admiral Schofield, they have Chumo Kiki, Jonathan Isaac, who's coming off an injury, and also who isn't vaccinated. And not to bring politics or that into there, but we don't know if they're going to be able to play in certain areas. Can he play in New York? Can he play in Brooklyn? So figure he's not going to be available every game. You have James Ennis and you have Iggy Brazikas. It's a very crowded but not proven position. I like the fact that he played two years at Michigan. I think when you stay for an additional year, it helps improve your skills. You're not as raw coming out. I think probably one of the biggest things that affects players mentally is imagine, you know, you're the man your entire life. You go to school at a, you know, a big 10 school like Michigan, you kill it, you're a lottery pick, and then you go to the bench your first year. But I think when you stay two years, you help hone in on your crafts a little bit. He averaged 12 points, six rebounds, and two assists at his time there. He's 6'9", he's 220, he's versatile, he can play off the ball, he can shoot. I think he's still learning the game. Is he going to be somebody that drops 25? Probably not. But I could see him kind of having that Cole Anthony impact where, you know, once again, different positions, but you know, maybe he gives you 10 points, seven rebounds, and a block shooting a good percentage. And that's somebody that is a lottery ticket, you know, your flyer, you can get off a free agency, probably nobody else that people are targeting. What are your thoughts? Yeah, man. Uh, he's not a guy that's been on my radar, but uh, definitely you've kind of started swaying me a little bit there with that argument uh, because you're right, man. He was good in college and he was a guy that did kind of contribute across the board uh, with his defense, with his high basketball IQ. Uh, he was a little, uh, you know, erratic with the three-point shooting, but definitely a guy that when he got hot, I mean, he really got hot. Uh, you know, good shooter, uh, good with the defense, as you mentioned, rebounds, maybe a few points, not a lot, but just a guy that's going to give you a little bit everywhere. And probably uh, he was a low turnover guy too in college, so a guy that's not going to hurt you in a lot of categories. And, yeah, those are the type of players that you look to target in later rounds of category leagues is somebody that's going to give you consistent production across the board and not really hurt you anywhere. So, yeah, a guy that I could definitely see exceeding, uh, you know, his draft position. Yeah, and and like we said, the thing with rookies, they're unproven. I think the biggest playing, the biggest thing is you want somebody that's going to play minutes or that doesn't have somebody blocking them. Zach, before we get off, we talked about, you know, the – basketball, fantasy basketball, wanting it to be more prevalent. What would you say is your biggest strategy, the things that help you draft? And obviously, like we talked about the different formats, but what is a strategy or things that you look for that really help you? 
So two things. One is obviously know your scoring format for your league. I think that's mm-hmm. something that people don't talk about enough is, am I playing in a points league, a categories league? What categories are in my league? And base your value around that. And I think the second thing is, uh, and this is something that I've I talked about with some of my buddies uh, that are in the fantasy space as well, is you cannot get too attached to big names. So we talked about on this show, Franz Wagner and Nerlens Noel and some of these guys that are just so unsexy, uh, you know, in the NBA, but they're doing the dirty work for fantasy hoops and they're guys that are they're going so undervalued in fantasy drafts. So I think giving up attachment to names is a big thing and something that, uh, you know, I think is very helpful is doing a little blind resume test with yourself every now and then, maybe blocking some names out, looking through the stats and saying, would I rather have A or B for a guy with a similar skill set? And if it turns out, you know, player A is a big name, player B is under the radar, then, you know, then you start to figure out where some guys are being overvalued, where some guys are being undervalued, and start to make your decisions a little more rationally based on that. No, I think that's a great bit of advice. A lot of people that I talk to, they're very hesitant to get in because, you know, you're playing a new sport and it's just very, a new fantasy sport and it's a little bit overwhelming. And, you know, I think hearing advice from people that have done this and have written about it and are passionate, you know, first and foremost, really make it a, a big difference. Zach, I really want to appreciate you joining me tonight. I would say us, but it's just myself. Um, Make sure you follow him at Zach the Monster on Twitter. That's Z-A-K the Monster. He's also verified. Got a little next nice blue check to his name. Zach, before we sign off, do you want to tell uh, our audience where they can find your work, the things you're working on? Yeah, so I think you've hit all the all the points, man. You can find me at Zach the Monster on Twitter. Uh, I'll be doing fantasy work for, as I mentioned before, Owner's Box, Fantasy Labs, uh, Fantasy Pros, and then obviously with uh, you know, NBA.com with some of that work from Fantasy Pros. Uh, over the next week, I'll be pumping out a few more articles as far as punting strategies, first and second round pairings, uh, and trying to get a top 300 out with notes for every player. I have a top 250, so I'm going to tweak that a little bit add 50 more players and try to push that out before the season starts i love it the grind is real thank you everybody for tuning in hopefully we helped you out uh glad that zach and i agreed on a lot i guess we'll have to circle back and see how jared allen that's my rider dies so thanks everybody for tuning in we'll catch you guys on the next one and we're gonna make like a bread truck and haul these buns